Welcome to On the Shoulders of Giants. On today's episode, we have with us Miller Roper, who is the owner of our home studio, The Funky Home. On today's podcast, we're going to discuss two of his upcoming trainings, the first being How to Grow Your Yoga Studio, which is a four-week series starting in June, based around the subject of expanding your business as a yoga studio. And the second is the 300-hour yoga teacher training, which is meant for teachers looking to build their skill set and further explore the vast knowledge of the yoga world. This starts in April and is a nine-month series, which meets one weekend a month. Let's start with the new one, which is how to grow your yoga studio and what inspired you to to make, run this course. That's a good question. I always liked the idea of helping other people get started in the yoga world, and that started off as helping people become teachers. And then I thought, well, I've opened a number of businesses by myself and over the years, and there are so many missteps along the way that I made. Some of them were grave and, you know, bad ones. Others were minor, but I, I looked for this when I was opening. I looked for if somebody had like a yoga kind of like mentorship slash like consultant, a yoga consultant business. And I didn't see anything or what I did see, I didn't necessarily trust. I always had in the back of my mind, what what a fun thing it would do. Like I've watched Bar Rescue, that show, Bar Rescue. <laughs> That's a good and, show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That guy has a knack. He knows because he's been in the trenches. He's seen how to run restaurants and bars. He knows. Mm. And I thought I have a certain skill set of walking into a yoga space or martial arts. It's kind of like with yoga. It's like I, I can see certain things, kind of like that guy sees certain things. Mm -hmm with bars so i thought what a great thing and i thought everybody does it online or everybody does it mm -hmm. like you fly them out and they stay and they come in and make all these changes the, the my favorite thing is teacher training mm -hmm. like i love the community that gets developed around it the the cohesions that happen so i thought why not make it a teacher training because once you're done with your 500 there isn't that same teacher training experience right. that you get to have and i thought what what a great thing and not only teach them the business end but teach them the yoga too so reconnect them to why they got interested in yoga in the first place and maybe introduce them to traditional philosophy that maybe they weren't exposed to in their trainings and maybe that's the piece that's missing for their business and the, the 300 hour touches a little bit on growing a, a growing a business well you've done uh, it, which uh, yeah. i've done yeah uh, yeah it's not that it's sporadic, but we, we delve more into the philosophy and we delve into like teaching, you know, how to teach yoga. The business specifically, like what have you run into as a business owner? Because you're a pretty successful business owner. You've got two yoga studios. You've got the jujitsu studio. And you, I think you've sold off the... Sold the cafe. Yeah, sold the but cafe, but you ran it. Yeah. Yeah. So what have you found... Like, yeah. what's the most challenging part of running businesses? Yeah. The most challenging thing about running yoga studios, pretty much all of it, has to do with managing the human interaction, human-to-human -human interaction. And the when, when you're put in that leadership role of how to manage making decisions that affect people. Who, who work with you and work together with you to build the studio 
that's been the most challenge the the human interaction because the numbers are one thing it's learning how to manage people's feelings and emotions and not me managing theirs but understanding how to walk that line navigating between navigating, yeah. yeah i've been a manager of certain sorts and so i know that aspect where you have to meet people where they're at but yeah. also give run them a harsh right run a yeah. business i don't want to give away the workshop but no, <laughs> how, have, how have you how let's have give you, it away yeah we can okay. give it away <laughs> well because part of it it's broken into four different weekends okay. and the first weekend is it's an exercise i did i was a lululemon ambassador and they sent me to the ambassador summit which was really nice and you got to kind of be around these other ambassadors for a like mm -hmm. weekend. And it was kind of like a teacher training. And uh, one of the things we did is somebody sat in the middle and you were in a group and there it was like a think tank. One person had their idea to run their business and then we were feeding ideas into the person and the person didn't reject them. They just wrote them down. What if you did this? What if you did that? It was very interesting what came up. And I was like, what a great thing. So my thought is, here, imagine you have 10 people. You put somebody in the middle. And you have 10 people who want to be a yoga studio owner. Or maybe they are yoga studio owners and they're just coming to sharpen up their game. Or learn a part of the business that maybe they, the tool set, skill set that they don't have. And now you're in the center and these people are giving you ideas for your business. Mm -hmm. I did it to myself this past 300 because it was right before I was making 400 into a donation-based studio. So I put myself in the middle and right. I had all of them give me ideas or point out flaws that I hadn't thought about. That's the first weekend. Like, that's what we're going to do. Wow. In this way, if somebody says, yes, I have a business model and this is what I want to do. So obviously, I, I give some framework of how to make a business model, a business plan. And then you start going forward with that. And then... The next day you come in and then we're going to give feedback to each other. Mm -hmm. And in this way, you get some really creative ideas, but you also see it from other people's perspective. Because you may think you got it, but mm -hmm. y you get this other perspective. There are certain ideas that can only happen through collaboration. So yeah. true. Yeah. Can you share when you went through that for yourself, either this most recent time or initially when you did that with Lululemon, can you share something that was an aha moment for you? It was more when I was giving the feedback. Okay. I, I didn't actually get it done to me. There wasn't oh, enough time for everybody to get it done. So, but I helped my, this guy who I became friendly with and he, he was a CrossFit guy. So he was starting a CrossFit business. And because I had owned the yoga studios at that point, I had some insight of that, but I saw the benefit that uh, by us helping him, I saw his aha moments okay. uh, were, were really great. My, my aha moments were when I put myself in, the, in, in that center, this past 300-hour training that just graduated. They gave me some great feedback and great ways to kind of like mistakes that I would have made, which were would be like, did you think about when somebody comes in and they have a class card at 195, how do they then interact with that? Do they give a donation or do they use their class card? Which one is it? And then the pitfalls that would arise with that. So it's, it's it was really like that troubleshooting aspect. And, and, and then people helping me word certain things. And it, it was people that were a little intimidated at first saying, I don't have anything to offer you. You've been doing this business. I don't even have my own business. I work for the man. But that's not it. It's 
it's really just just that collaboration and some mm-hmm. of the people that had the best ideas were people that in the beginning said they have nothing to offer that was that's the first weekend can you outline let's just go through the, the yeah, yeah, yeah yeah weekend two would be the art of teaching teaching yoga philosophy teaching teachers to be better teachers <laughs> and, <laughs> and and leading yoga teacher trainings weekend two is the art of teaching so you know you, you get your typical like how do you fine-tune your teaching it's pretty amazing watching because I watch a lot of people go through the 200 and then I see people that are 300s and I see a big difference in a 200 to a 300 mm-hmm. just because it's that little extra fine tuning and that little extra tweaking takes them to the next level. And I can see it when people teach a little bit more of that, the art of teaching, right. but then teaching yoga philosophy. And I feel like a lot of people miss out on that. And they don't know how to teach yoga philosophy. They may understand yoga philosophy, but how to teach yoga philosophy. Now you're just not a teacher uh, teaching students. You're running a studio. Mm. So you need to have, like Leslie teaches, like that core message. Mm. A studio needs a core message too. And what is it? What is the core message of the studio? That For whatever. I mean, this might be somebody who has a kundalini school. Right. You know, so I can't necessarily tell them what their core message is, right? It's going to be a different core message than me. But understanding how to teach yoga philosophy, teaching teachers to be better teachers. Like, how do you get people to build their class? Mm-hmm. How do you get people to have a social media presence? Meaning, how do you get your teachers to have that without telling them? Or if their social media presence is, maybe some people might call it a polarizing, right? Like, right. How, how do you deal with that? And then, and how to lead a yoga training. How to go and get set up with yoga lines. How do you want to get set up with yoga lines? Yeah, that's, a, that's uh, an interesting discussion too. A hundred percent. So how do you structure it? How much does it cost? How, how do you run the teachers? Who's the lead instructor? Are you the lead instructor? Are you doing weekends? Are you doing per day? It's like all this stuff. My goal is that by the end of the four weeks, somebody has a really clean business plan. And their business model is tight. It's it's tight. Like in jiu-jitsu, like a lot of times we talk about, there's jiu-jitsu is an art of spatial relationship. So it's taking space away. Or creating it. Sometimes you want to do one or the other. But it's a game of space. And with yoga teacher trainings, it has a similar feel of it in my mind. How do you create a space for people that that, that is inclusive instead of exclusive? And that's, that, that's a huge thing. How do you be inclusive instead of exclusive? That was something as a student of the teacher training that I could almost observe in you and Leslie and then at the 300 hour as well. You you guys created an environment where certain points it was kind of regimented. You had a plan and then there were other moments where you kind of stepped back and let us learn by just figuring out on our own yeah that was what drew me to you two as teachers is that kind of mastery of that giving and taking space yeah and 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 understanding the importance of of allowing everybody to to have a say Mm -hmm. and i think with a yoga studio i don't want cookie cutter funky ohms out there to me that would be lame and Mm -hmm. and self-defeating Right, like I teach you how to like go run a yoga studio right. that's just like mine. <laughs> you know, I I want to teach people how to find their inner game. And in jujitsu, we talk about that too. It's like you have a specific style where you're 
either kind of aggressive or you're passive. And both people are very skillful. How do you find your game as a yoga studio owner or, or a future studio owner? Like, let's say this is 10 years down the road. It's only going to help because when you're done, you have this beautiful business plan and you're ready to execute. Where in the beginning, you might just love yoga and you're like, I just love yoga. That might be a recipe for disaster because <laughs> if you just love yoga or maybe you don't love yoga at all. Maybe you, you don't even practice yoga or maybe you practice mm-hmm. yoga, but you don't really love teaching yoga or love doing yoga. You just think it's a good business model. That's probably the, the one case where I'd be like, don't open a studio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so that would be week two is really in my mind the word that i see that encompasses that the first one is like shark tank type of <laughs> but, but but without the aggression kind of like you know love minnow tank. Yeah, yeah 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 like being you're in the center and we're gonna help we're here to help not cut you down and this the week two i see the word teaching teachers that's the the words that's flashing in my mm. head and week three it's it's all about the client you see so week two is all about the teachers and week three we learn about the clients and we learn about the people coming to take yoga like who are they what what's going on what what does the schedule look like one of the biggest mysteries that every yoga studio owner will tell you the schedule is it's a living organism that's always in flux always changing and one of the biggest things is that the teachers themselves their attitude coming into their class i could distinctly see if somebody has an issue with me or maybe how i'm doing things or or there's something they want to tell me but they're not you know they're upset with something but they don't feel like they can come to me which is you know i hope they can but their class numbers will go down and i'm like there's a direct correlation there and then you resolve the issue I sit down, I have a conversation, mm-hmm. we get back on track, the numbers go back up. It's amazing. But like understanding like how to do that and then how to work certain things like holidays. And also point of sale systems, which are a big thing. Do you use MindBody? Do you mm-hmm. use Zen Planner? Do you use KarmaSoft? Like what are the what type of rates should I be expecting as percentages to come off the credit card bill? Like, what's a good number? What's a bad number? I mean, that's stuff that is confusing. I mean, and it's... I, I was, I'm thinking of questions just, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to ask. <laughs> yeah. But because until you're in it, and there, until you're in it, it's tough to, right. to even imagine what that is because we kind of don't even have a connection to that. We just kind of push it to the side. So you go back to like at the end of it, you then have a clear understanding mm-hmm. of what is acceptable. And what is being taken advantage of? Because they always try and take advantage to get the highest rate they can. Do you find that different studios have different clients? But do you find that there is an overlap? There's always an overlap. Because we're such complex beings. Mm -hmm. It's like if I ask you, I mean using politics as a thing. Most people, if you sat them down and you really talked about their politics and what they believe in, they'd agree on most things. But we're, we're masters at finding out what we disagree on. And then we're like, Joe Rogan does it all the time. He has these two guys on. One guy's a vegan guy, and one guy's a carnivore diet guy, you know. And they, it's amazing how much they actually agree. And they have to keep coming back to, well, I agree with that. I agree with that, you know. But then it's what they don't agree on. That's just small piece. So I find that with yoga, there's most people who love yoga, who love a physical practice, they could go here or there. 
It's more the vibe of the studio. And I've learned that through having two of the same studio. And then understanding that even within the same brand, the studios have evolved much differently. So it, it's it's really interesting to see. It and, and it's only like 12, 15 minutes away from each other. And I've taken classes at both studios. And there are certain times I'm in the mood for the 195 environment. And most of the time I'm more of a 400 goer. It's also sure. closer to my house. There is a very clear difference in the clients between those two studios. There is. But that took time. Yeah. It took time for that to really express itself. And now that 400 is donation-based, it's community yoga, that has even more of a different feel, mm-hmm. which is great. It's always what I kind of wanted. I didn't want them to be competing with one another. I wanted there to be autonomy. Starbucks is now changing their business model, but they, the way they used to, the way Starbucks got so big was they would go three miles down the road. They wouldn't open up in like the next town over. They'd go three miles down the road, and then they'd go three, put another one, put another one, put another one. Now they're drawing back. Now right. they've gone too far. Now they're across the street from each other. Yeah, you know, yeah. in a way, it was like I wanted to keep it in Huntington. I wanted to be more centrally located off Jericho on Jericho Turnpike. That that's something I definitely see the differences because one person may go to Sound, which is another yoga studio or Absolute Yoga Studio. They're about a mile and a half from both locations, and their the style of yoga that they teach there is quite different. And, and then you have uh, Balance, which is down the road, and that's an Ashtanga studio. So it's like, I find that if you have a really clear vision of what yoga is to you and what you want to create, then your studio is going to be successful because you'll pull from whoever is drawn to that studio. It's when there isn't a clear vision that it, I think, gets a little murky. And it's like, well, they're doing that, so let me try and do that. It never works. So what's the fourth weekend then? What does that so, wrap up with? So it's funny because on the, on the description I wrote Harris Ringelheim. <laughs> okay, who is Harris Ringelheim? So my good friend Sharon Petito, I heard her on the phone one day and she was talking to somebody and she was just going, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, okay, uh-huh. And she hung up and I said, who is that? Yeah, I've never heard you so not animated before. And she goes, oh, it's Harris Ringelheim. And I go, who's that? And she goes, he's my financial advisor. And I was like, okay, but why were you so like tuned out? So what did he say? She goes, I have no idea. I just say yes. And he just does whatever he does. And she laughed, and I thought, wow. And so whenever I've done that, and I, I did that with my accountant for years, uh-huh, and it got me into trouble. <laughs> like, so, you know, I go, uh-huh, 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 yeah, yeah. And I go, whoa, I just Harris Ringelheimed her. <laughs> so it's these things that you don't think about when you're about to open a yoga studio, which is investing, taxes, leases, insurance, and payroll. These are things that could really break you or make you. All from a yogic standpoint, too. Like, how do you... How do you do this in a way where you're just not running business, but you're still a yoga studio owner? All of these things I've made mistakes in and then realized, oh, this is how to do that. I also had a very special person in my life. His name is Ron Brandis. He taught me how to invest. He was he was on the board of governors of the Philadelphia Stock Exchange. He had a hedge fund for many years. I met him when I was teaching jujitsu at a friend's school. He came in and he just, he heard me and my friend talking about silver and gold and wanting to invest in that. He went off for 
you know, about an hour talking about mining companies and junior miners. Mm -hmm. And we were all, we were like dumbfounded. And he then taught us for four years, he taught us how to invest. And he taught us how to analyze businesses from a financial standpoint, see what the fundamentals were, see what the numbers, see what the sales were. And that was before I owned a yoga studio. But it taught me how to look at a business and if it's viable, if it's good, how to do payroll, how to make it fair, all that stuff. So Harris Ringelheim is all these things that people tend to not want to do and not want to learn about. But if you're interested in owning your own business, you got it. You have to. And then, of course, so every morning we'd start with the meditation. Mm. And speaking of yoga philosophy, a little kirtan, you know what I mean? So we're, we're still tapping into yoga. And we're still, and that, that, that's the goal, right? Is to tap you into your core message of what what is yoga to you. It, so it will expand on yoga philosophy as well. But I guess that's an interesting question is how does, for you, because you are simultaneously a business owner and kind of the spiritual human being. How do you find, As we all are. As we all are. <laughs> well, yeah. How do you find those two blend in, in your life? That's a good question. It's almost like there's two versions of me. One version is the pragmatic, I'm living in this world. I'm a material girl living in the material world type of (laughs) type of thing. And I let that be that. And I understand that that is not necessarily reality. That's a reality rather than the reality of which according to the yogis, has nothing to do with that. <laughs> like like all of the lease and the Harris Ringelheiming stuff and all of that stuff is just basically, that's all maya, it's all illusion. And then the real spirit of who you are is inside, trying to connect to that and connect to a divine source. And so that then, there's a dichotomy there, which I'm willing to live in, mm-hmm. and I'm willing to have two different pieces. And I try to be a moral good person on this end. Try, sometimes I fail. But that's my that's my business head. Be moral, be good, and seek to find where yoga meshes here. But it's still, this is the material. And then over here, there is the part of me that realizes that this hand, the other hand, is all fake. Not, not, maybe not all fake, but it's not, that's not the goal. It's a goal. It's, it's part of having the body having the the material experience but over here I, I'm clear that this is the real goal I think you said it maybe in our, our first 300 hour weekend and it was something along the lines of I am a business owner but I recognize that that it can all go away in an instant so true and you're almost hosting this space for however long as it needs to be in the world yeah that's definitely true and Raghunath taught me that my yoga teacher Raghunath he said that when he was a monk he would have you know you'd get things like books or something and you weren't allowed to own anything but inside you were like he said that you would write in care of Raghunath so he was in care of it so that's what I feel about the studio I feel like I'm in care of it and I'm trying to do the best that I can to be in care of it but to to not possess it although sometimes I fall short (laughs) And I can feel that stress and I can feel that, you know. But but that's always in the back of my head is to be in care of it. So tell me about the 300 hour, even though I've taken it. <laughs> <laughs> tell me what that experience is like. I love it. It's yeah. my favorite thing to do. It, it really is. Like, I I mean, I, I love jujitsu too and I love kirtan. 
and I, and I, I love teaching yoga like a weekly class but i really the top of the list right by jujitsu and kirtan mm-hmm. is the 300 hour training yeah. i mean i love the 200 too it's a different experience though because as the as the teacher of the 300 or the kind of like the facilitator of the 300 i get to experience my teachers come through and my friends come through and teach me really cool things so i'm always sharpening up my game on as a teacher i leave that training and i I had eight of the greatest yoga teachers in my opinion in the world come teach me (laughs) and i'm asking you know i I, i'm asking (laughs) questions and i'm i'm right there with you guys every year i get a huge benefit from my teachers and friends coming through to sharpen up my game but then also to dialogue with other teachers Mm -hmm. because everybody in the 300 hour training is a t they've already done a 200 now they might be coming right into it because they just did their 200 but in my mind it's the same Mm -hmm. like you graduated that you're a yoga teacher now so now you have more street cred so to speak it's it's like you understand I, right. like we're not going to get up there and start crying when we have to teach triangle right. again or like breaking down when you have to teach triangle so we can actually talk really quickly about like okay triangle how do we cue it how do we assist it that was my that was my experience with the 200 hours you almost it's a building of confidence sure which is all some some of it is even unrelated to teaching yoga a lot of the people in my 200 hour still haven't taught a yoga class in the past two years that we've been graduated. And they didn't go for that. They yeah. didn't go for to necessarily teach yoga, but to deepen their practice. And I would say the main gift that I got from my 200 hour is learning how to be in my body even more so than I was just taking yoga. Because then I, could, I observed it from the perspective of a teacher. And there are certain things that before the 200 hour that I would do in class just because the teacher told me to that weren't necessarily good for my body. Yeah. And it wasn't that the teacher wasn't doing was doing something wrong. It's just that I didn't have that awareness. Right. And that was my greatest gift from the 200 hour. And in the 300 hours when I really felt like I okay, now I can teach this more not that i couldn't teach during the 200 hour but i learned more and one of the things that i found great about the 300 hour is as you said you're a facilitator for it and you get these outside perspectives from all these really intelligent teachers and some of which are some of the things that they say are not necessarily what we learned in the 200 hour yeah and then we have a discussion after. It's just like, well, this is why this doesn't work for me as a teacher, but right. why it might work for you. Yeah. One of the things that always has stuck out, and this is such a subtle thing, but when Bryn came to visit us, she taught us about cartwheeling the arms from Warrior 2 mm-hmm. and how that might be like a little hitchy in the joint. Mm-hmm. And, and she said, instead, close the hips through high lunge. And then frame the foot. Don't right. cartwheel the arms from Warrior 2. And I have never taught from Warrior 2 <laughs> down to framing the foot right. without moving through high lunge. Nice. Yeah. yeah it's a, And that, that nuance comes from other teachers. And that's what I love when they come through. They, they usually have a why of why they're doing something. In the 200, I love the community that develops. It's so special in the 200 because you're going through this. You're going through boot camp together, man. It's like, you know, you don't know anything. You're nervous about, yeah. you know, teaching and you're nervous about, oh, my, oh what am I going to sound like or whatever. And that's a special thing that develops. The 300 has a different community because you're all yoga teachers right. already. 
And even if you're just coming in, you realize how much you actually know. I see it, people come to the 300 from the 200, and that first day they're kind of like, oh, I don't know. I'm just a new 200, right. and they kind of like self-deprecate a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that was, that was me. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then by the end, you're like, no, I, I know a lot of stuff now. Yeah. Like, I see that growth happen, yeah. and it's so it's so special. Tell me about how you started doing teacher training. So let's go all the way back. It's when you, at what point did you decide, I'm going to start teaching teacher trainings? It was during my teacher training. I was taking teacher training with Anna Forrest, and I was looking around the room, and there were like 45 people. And I thought, this is the best job ever. This is the best job. She's got the best job ever. She's leading people to be more conscious, to teach something that they're going to then teach other people. It's a pretty big weight to bear, but she wore it well. She wore it really well. She's providing a service. She's making a good income off it. And she's got a good product. And it's a product that's helping people be more conscious. And we thought, you can make your money doing whatever you can open up a liquor store or you can open up a, a mcdonald's or you could do something that really doesn't serve society all that much i mean there's a lot of professions where you're like that's not serving mm. it's actually hurting <laughs> in yoga like that what a great way to spend your time i decided then i said i'd like to do this i'd like to do this i had taught martial arts for so many years i knew i knew how to teach people i didn't see it and in yoga, I did traditional kung fu for so long. It's very similar to yoga, like a lot of the postures and stuff that you do. They're pretty much identical in some ways, except there's fighting techniques. That's when I decided that I was like, I would love to do this. I did a that 200, then I did a mentorship program with Heidi Sormez. That was like a 150 hour. Then I did a 100 hour training with Raghunath. Then I did 300 hour training with Raghunath and Sandra. And by the end of it, I thought, I have something to offer the yoga community. I didn't go into it prematurely. I went into it when I was, I had filled up a lot of tools in my toolbox. I, and I had such great teachers that I then felt like I had something to add. I remember, though, when I put out that I, had a, that I was going to lead the 300, I had the yoga studio already. And a teacher called me and said, you know, the first time I saw that, I thought, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> Who does he think he is leading at 300? And I'm sure people are thinking that about the how to grow your yoga studio too. But it's I think it's part of my dharma to be a teacher. And I derive so much from it of watching people grow. And that's what I've decided part of the core message of the Funky Ohm is, is to teach teachers how to become teachers. So if I'm in that business, then I need to be happy for people, you know, when they right. teach. How have you found the 300-hour and the teacher trainings evolve over the years? Because even having graduated from the 300-hour, maybe, well, it actually was only a year ago, but even still, like, it seems like the teacher trainings are changing. And if they have changed over the years since I've taken it, I think they have, but I'm interested to see how do you think they've changed? Well, one of the things that I've observed is that there is a lot more teachers going from the 200 hour directly into their 300 hour. It's true. Part of that, I think, comes from the community that the, these people grow so close together yeah. that they don't want to be apart. And I think it's also that they, they take class with people that have done that and they see that 
there, there's a comfort there. There's a, there's a confidence there that's palpable. Mm-hmm. And you can see that. And they say, oh, okay, that makes sense. They just w- did it all the way through. Right. One of the other things that I see is that the 300-hour, at least in my 300-hour, it, it did not feel as, like, I was very close with my 200-hour. So certain people, like, I still talk to every single day. I felt a very, very close <laughs> yeah. with all of them, and I still feel very close with them. With my 300-hour, I still... I still feel close with a lot of them, but I'll also not as like I don't keep in contact with as many of them as much as I did. And what I see from the three hundred hour now is that they're so close together, even still. The three hundred hour that just ended, maybe a couple months ago. So the community is growing stronger from what I see. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I I, I think what it is too is that a lot of them like Maha's doing it this year. So it's like she graduated before you yeah and now she's doing the 300 people know maha and the, but then they're going to do the training with with maha so then that relationship gets forged a little tighter and i get confused now because <laughs> it, it, it's kind of like you're in this like little club of 200 to 300 right. right and it's it's a beautiful connection where i think in the earlier 300s you didn't have that Mm -hmm. and sometimes i think within the 300 there can be some i guess like posturing in a a way of like i i'm an established yoga teacher and maybe a little bit of a wall that prevents people or it takes time for them to soften that wall so they can actually be a part of it rather than no i'm a yoga teacher for 20 years and it's kind of a weird thing because it's like on one hand you're like well you signed up for a teacher training to learn but then you good then you resist right. <laughs> so I, I i think in that there is a little bit in the 300 there's some massaging that has to be done mm. to to ease people into it and then that, that and, and I, i'm aware of that you know, yeah. and I've seen that before. It's not it's not new to me. It's like, oh, there, there's that, there's, there's that, that thing, thing. again. Yeah. You know, and now I have a little speech that I do in the beginning to try and ease that. So mm. I mean, as the trainings grow, both two hundred and three hundred, me and Leslie get better at navigating some of the pitfalls. Mm-hmm. You know, there are pitfalls like people didn't pay for some of the training well like because i have a pretty lax policy on a payment plan maybe whatever you can well that translated to some people just not paying and granted they don't graduate they don't get a diploma right but i've learned how to kind of work with them but still kind of be have it be clean where people aren't graduating and no nobody's taken the whole training and not paid me anything you know but but uh you know i've realized how to how to navigate some of those pitfalls. Where do you see, do you see a certain area where the teacher training is growing? Like what is it changing into? Or is there something that is, that you're, that you want to bring into the teacher trainings that haven't been there before? I'm always on the lookout for new teachers for the 300. Uh, The 200 is so tight. Me and Leslie have a good hold on on how to make best use of our time now that I think that is so refined. But the 300 is a little more fluid, and I like it that way. I, I like it to be kind of like, hey, it might be a little different every year. And the other thing is that once you take it, you can always come back to it and take the whole training again for free if you want. Mm-hmm. So everybody's always invited back. So if there's a new presenter, you can come and take that new presenter. So I, I, I always like that, mm-hmm. that, that piece of it, and that that's evolving 
and that's always and schedules. So one person might have had Ragnarok their first weekend, another right. person had Ragnarok their last weekend in a d- different year of training. Yeah. It's a different Ragnarok, and you you receive him differently. Yeah, the, I had Ragnarok at sort of the beginning, the beginning of my training. Yeah. It was like either the second or third weekend. Yeah, this time they had him, at and the then end. this time they had him at the end, and it's such a. It was such a different because for us he set the tone. Yes, and he might have very been our very first guest, other than Leslie, who I in the two hundred hour I saw her every weekend. Sure, but he kind of set the tone for the training, and then to have him end, the philosophy is the same. Yes, to see the tone of where it ended versus where it began is it's interesting. Yeah, to because that's the taste that's left in the mouth of the 300 hour. I can't remember who our last guest was. It might have Oh, just... it was Miles. Oh, okay. Who also leaves a very different yeah. kind of taste in your mouth at the end. Yeah. It's always an adventure too and it's always different mm-hmm. and it's that's what I like about the 300. It has that ever evolving quality mm-hmm. to it that that is great and that's why I love the 200 because it has a very stable set feeling and you need that as a new person right. coming in, you need that structure. You need that. And and the two, the 300 has structure too. But I didn't want to make it a glorified 200. That just, okay, now you're going to get a lot of the same information. Okay, so here's the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 2, right. blah, blah, blah. I mean, we go over that, but you need to hear it in a different way from a different person. And then you, and then I can expand on that and kind of give my take on how they taught it. And then it ties. I'm the person tying. I, I'm the cohesive unit. Me and Kerry. And Kerry does the anatomy. But we kind of, we're the cohesion that, that bring everything together. And in that way, there's it's, it's a beautiful process. I was talking to one of the prospective 300 hours who's in the 200 hour. And they asked me about my experience with it. And I told them the 300 hour, if you're serious about teaching, absolutely, I recommend it. Because you invite teachers that don't necessarily agree with you. That are inviting in a new, different style of teaching and different knowledge. And it just to experience that different perspective as a teacher. One of the pitfalls that I fell into as I was teaching is that I usually only took class at the Funky Ohm. And there's so many different styles outside of it. Yeah. That's a, that you can then bring into the Funky Ohm or then just expand your own palette. So I still am a Funky Omer. That's like, sure. that's my home. But like, I'll take a class every now and then yeah. and at another studio and say, oh, this is an interesting transition from dolphin to plank. Right, right, right. And I've never seen that before. When I took the forest yoga training, they, they kind of say to you, they literally say this at the end of it they say you're better than 90 percent of the yoga teachers out there right now (laughs) and i was like i don't know if that's true i was willing to entertain that idea then when i came home i took leslie's class now i didn't really know leslie i I took her class right before no i took her class right before i left and then i took it again when i came home and while she didn't do forest yoga i was like I'm pretty sure that this lady's a great <laughs> yoga teacher, you know. And in that, that taught me, forest yoga isn't the only way, but I would say 90% of the people that come through the 300, I agree with what they teach, even if it's, I, I agree with their method, but I might not agree with the, the finer points, but their general take on yoga, it's it's lasered in, you know. Right. So it's it's a it's a great thing to experience that the 
the overall bubble you agree with and then there's nuance in between that you can disagree it's kind of like what i was saying before most of it you agree with but then there's like the nuanced points that mm-hmm. you don't but i'm focusing on what we do agree with which right. is 90 percent. so miller thank you for being on the podcast so we will see you next time sounds good talk to you soon bye bye